Influence, the global podcast that shines a spotlight on the influencer marketing industry. Welcome to Influence, the global podcast that shines a spotlight on the influencer marketing industry. I'm Gordon Glenister, and in this edition, we're going to be looking at how the pressures of social media can affect the mental health of influencers with my very special guest, former Big Brother contestant, Akeem Griffiths. We'll be looking at upcoming events in the digital influencer world and be getting three top tips for a successful influencer campaign from a leading industry figure. But first, I recently spent two days at the Digital Marketing World Forum at the Business Design Centre in Islington. It was teeming with people from across the digital landscape looking for the next best trends. I wanted to find out from brands, agencies and influencer platforms how the influencer marketing channel is developing. So here's the view from Colin Buckingham, who's a digital marketing manager at leading brand Birdseye. Yeah, so I look after uh, media um, with a specific focus on digital media um, within the Birdseye group. Um, and we've been working with influencers and experimenting with their usage um, over the last couple of years. Um, so initially we started using them to tap into real micro communities. So a big target audience for Birdseye would be mums and parents, um, and they use a lot of our product. So we've wanted to sort of tap into these areas um, and then hired various influencers to push our products out where they've been creating things like videos and images and putting them out across channels such as Instagram, Instagram Stories and Pinterest. Um, so that's one area we've been exploring. now. I guess in recent months we've been really getting into some of the data and exploring what the impact is of actually using influencers. Now it's quite an, a difficult area to measure, but what we have actually come to realisation is sometimes the reach for the influencers, although they're hyper-targeted, isn't as strong as potentially booking media in other channels. So it's a bit of a way up between engagement versus reach. Now as a brand we need to reach a lot of consumers to drive a product um, and then get people to actually buy it. So we've actually started to reframe how we use influencers in recent um, months. And one way we've been using influencers is to use them as content creators. So we put out briefs and they make really nice videos, um, nice photos, and we can then use that content across our website and across our paid channels um, and then you know, make it be seen by lots of other people. So I guess it's a reframing of using influencers from their reach to actually using them as content creators um, and then using that content um, in the UGC way where we've been able to test it against some of the content our digital agencies are creative and actually it's outperforming it. So it's an approach we're using. Um, it can be cost effective, um, you know, versus using a big agency. And, um, you know, it's getting some really strong brand measures. Maeve Sugru is marketing director for influencer platform Zine. And here's her advice. Influence marketing has obviously blown up in the last few years um, and there's been lots of research that you know shows how effective influence marketing can be. Like one of the most popular stats is it delivers 11 times ROI. But the reality of it is this isn't necessarily the case for everyone. Um, in order to deliver you know such high ROI then certain things need to happen. Um, so I think there's just this general notion that um, someone can engage one or two influencers um, for a particular campaign, um, not necessarily know who that 
influencer is or who their audience is so to in to some degree in in comparison to other areas of digital marketing it's kind of being done in in the dark because mm. um, they don't know who that campaign's reaching and then expect this 11 times ROI to be delivered but that isn't the case in order for um, influence marketing to be effective I think real commitment needs to be shown to the channel so um, you know testing a campaign for a particular period being really clear um, and um, vocal as to what you're hoping to achieve with that campaign um, understanding who you're trying to target and then once you know you've you've established all of those things you can then start your journey but um, again it's really about looking at who that influence is who that audience is looking at their content is there lots of natural brand affinity um, are they you know a good candidate to represent your brand do they love your brand already like questions like that that I think sometimes you know get missed um, and people expect that influence marketing to to work well I think it's definitely about doing more than just going on to Instagram and, and, and checking um, checking influencers themselves and there are I think there are many different ways of doing this so um, in our recent um, influence marketing report, um, we surveyed brands, um, agencies and influencers. And actually about 73% of brands and agency staff actually vet influencers manually. Um, and that is, you know, going onto various profiles, um, perhaps looking at their engagement and then, you know, kind of like making their conclusions from there. Um, so, I mean, what we're passionate about at Zine is really aligning the data element with the content element. So um, the first step, I'd say, is, you know, if, if you're fortunate enough to be able to work with a consultant or, you know, use a technology like Zine, um, you'd be able to dig um, a, bit, a bit deeper into that. So, um, for example, what, what we do, we ask influencers to sign up connect their social media channels so they themselves get to see their data so their audience data the top cities that their audience is based in the top you know um age brackets and so on um and, and other demographics information um, they get to see that data displayed alongside their content and we encourage brands to do the same so they're really understanding who that influencer is um, and who their audience is most importantly because that's who you're, you're paying to try, try to reach. And in fact, Vic Miller, who's the Vice President of Global Communications and Content at Brandwatch, agrees. First things first with influence marketing is, it, I do think it's a bit of a buzzword and I think it's, you know, oh, I should be doing it because everyone else is doing it. Um, I think it's got a huge value when done correctly. Um, for me, it's very much the sort of starting point is understanding the audience so understanding not just the influence and who that influencer is and where the micro influencers sit but how the audience that you're trying to reach engages with those people so it's really understanding how any communication you put through the channel you're looking for with this influencer is going to land with that audience um, so yeah it's the understanding which for me is the absolutely fundamental start point um, no different than it is from understanding a persona before you sell to them it's exactly the same thing so it's breaking it down and I would start that very much in terms of their interests and, and start looking through through that and here are the thoughts of global head of content at Linkfluence Jerry Chan yeah I think the way to think about it it's like um, 
how you know when when you're looking for product recommendations or you're trying to buy something you're always trying to ask for advice and influencers are kind of there to do that so like as a brand uh, an influencer is really a way for you to reach a new audience so like people who haven't heard of you they have heard of the influencer so they build trust there and they don't trust you but they trust the influencer so that's kind of how you you want to think about it and also like it's a great way to just um, associate your brand to a certain type of brand associations like if you want to be positioned as healthy or you want to be positioned as like chic or whatever like you want to find an influencer that represents that and then you can be associated with that you know those notions I think you need to think about how involved you want your influencer to be. Like some brands are really like they're a bit more mature in their influencer marketing strategy that they will involve the influencer even from the pers- uh, like conception of the product. Mm. Like I know the brand Innocent, you know, the smoothie juice yeah. brand. Um, I've worked with um, their agency on like influence marketing campaign and they really want to bring in the authenticity with their influencers. So they bring their influencers into like the factories, into meeting the, the suppliers to make sure that they are really like involved in the whole journey. So then when they tell the story, it's really authentic. Influence, the global podcast that shines a spotlight on the influencer marketing industry. I'm sure you can't help but notice Love Island is back on our TV and all over social media at the moment. Reality television can often be the starting point for some influencers, but what happens when the spotlight turns away from you? I spoke on the line to former Big Brother finalist Akeem Griffiths and started by asking him how life had been since the series finished. Um, it's been a bit of an unpredictable whirlwind, if I'm honest. Um, you know, essentially, I never expected to get on the show. Um, you know, and, and since leaving, it's just been incredible. I mean, like, you know, I'm doing a lot of appearances. My my platform has grown, which is great for my charity work. Um, like you said, I work for the fashion designer brand, G's Tour, so I, you know, I was attend a lot of exclusive events throughout the UK, um, some over the, overseas as well. So, I mean, l- life's been absolutely fantastic at the moment. Um, I can't complain, and I'm literally grabbing everything with two hands. <laughs> yeah, so w- one of the things that I have been quite fascinated about is um, there's been a lot of talk in social media in particular about online mental health. Um, what do you think some of the major issues f- facing the industry and particularly influencers right now? I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a very crucial and valid point. And like I've said, from, from a social media perspective, you know, I, I talk about this quite a lot. Um, for me, I'll be honest with you, and I, I went through this for, a, for, a, for several weeks during Christmas, so I can really relate to this topic of discussion. It's almost as if you're under pressure, especially coming out of reality television. Mm. When you come out of reality television, you go from a high instantly to a, a low then and the reason for that is because when you first come out of reality television you know irrespective of position you, you you finish on a show people are, are shouting and calling you in you know it's all about you you know media whatever yeah. you know social media platform is about you and then what happens then is something else comes there's so many reality television shows out there as you know and then that's it then you sl- slowly start to get forgotten about but then you almost have an insight then to say, am I actually doing something wrong? So then you're under this immense pressure then to continuously try and, you know, overachieve expectations far beyond your reach to try and satisfy the viewers yeah. from a social media perspective. And, you know, for me, like, personally, like, I don't, I never used to care what people think, and I still don't know. But when 
you have all them viewings from coming out of a show and you you know your followers increase so much and then they start to you know drop off gradually you you think you're doing something wrong even though you're not you have this constant pressure yeah. to say hold on i need to keep doing things otherwise i'm going to get forgotten about when in reality you should always just be yourself you know yeah so yeah, it's, yeah. it's a it's an immense pressure do you, do you i mean one of the things that's fascinated me i almost feel like it's like a hamster wheel do you know what i mean yes, you 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 feel absolutely. like you're, you're on this wheel and how on earth do you get off it? Uh, and uh, when I've been talking to some other influencers, and I, I suddenly noticed over Christmas, some of them were saying, like, uh, we need, uh, uh, I'm taking a break break from social media here. Because as, as your fan base grows, more and more people want a bigger slice of you, don't they? And, and how do you cope with that? It's exactly like you've just said. It's, it's exactly like a kick. You know, more people want you. And then you, you find yourself, and if you have, you, you, I find it almost impossible to not be online or on social media. It's mm. incredible. When you try having a break, you get more followers and then more people want to know about you. And you're like, I have to accommodate them as well. Yeah. And I think sometimes what we don't understand is, is just because you're not going on social media, you know, to have a bit of, you know, downtime catch with the family doesn't mean that people ain't going to like you. You know, you have to have a break. And I found it, at least for the first three months, I was on social media every single day to mm. a point that I was forgetting main main events like birthday parties even even engagements and, and weddings and anniversaries i was forgetting about because my head was so wrapped around social media and it's very difficult until you've been in that situation it's hard to you know to describe it to someone who hasn't been but you're almost like you said you're on this hamster wheel you keep going on round and round in circles and you don't know when you're gonna stop yeah 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 and um, do you find have, have you spoken to other other influencers uh, or YouTubers or people that are in the space? And have you found that quite um, uh, important for you to sh- share your thoughts and ideas with them? Or do you feel that it's it, you're on your own with it? I'll be honest with you, yeah. Um, for the, during Christmas time, for I think it was nearly three weeks, I went through a period when I was lost. I didn't want to leave the house and I didn't even know what what to do and, and who to who to approach. And it took me ne- nearly three weeks to finally speak out about it. I went, as soon as I spoke out about it, the amount of people I had messaged me, this was celebrities, influencers, wow. you know, non-influencers saying, you know what, I take my hat off to you. Mm-hmm. I really, really can relate. I wish I spoke out sooner. So for me, it's all about, and again, I know it's very difficult for, for people. Some people find it far more easier than others. But as soon as we start speaking out about it, it is absolutely incredible how many influencers and celebrities and high-profile individuals who can actually relate on the exactly the same topic but just haven't spoken about it. But that's, I think it's because they don't want to admit well, dare I say, failure, or they don't want to admit that they're not coping. Because it, it, it but but you're you're absolutely right. I think we let, now live in a society where it's about being transparent, open, and honest. And uh, in fact, I know an, another individual who did something very similar to you, and her engagement went through the roof. Yeah. Uh, so uh, the, yeah. the the thing is, or you're, you're absolutely right. Is the best way I can describe it is just because you speak out about things like that doesn't mean you failed. It, and, and that's that is Correct. the point because when when you're before you speak out about it and you're going through that tough period, it's like if I speak out now, people are going to think I failed in life, and mm. you do get that mindset. But it, it's absolutely the reverse. Mm. When you speak about it, people actually respect that and say, "Do you know what? This guy has spoke out about it. He's being open. He's being honest. Am I a failure? No. Mm. Can mm. people relate? Yes. So you are right. It's that big effort failure in it, and 
it takes a long time to, to actually speak about it. When you do then, I, like I feel, again, I, I'm not 100% now, but I feel a million times better because I've had that support now for finally speaking out about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've we've had conversations before, uh, and I must admit I've really enjoyed uh, you know hearing your, your own personal story. Uh, it's not just about young people. You know, I, I myself have had my own challenges as well. And uh, I think, uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot of people out there that do suffer in silence. Uh, and I think it's important that we do that, that we do uh, help and support people. I mean, just out of interest, do you think there are, um, I mean, I know NABS, for example, which is the National Advertising Benevolent Society, do offer, you know, a confidential helpline. And that's something that the BCMA has been looking at supporting. But generally, do you think there are other support services or enough of those out there that exist to help uh, so that people can can talk confidentially about things i mean i'm not going to disrespect any company organization but from personal experiences and what i've seen i don't think there's enough support whatsoever i really don't no i think do i think it's improving marginally do i think we are at a position where we should be 100 percent. no we've got such such a long way to go Mm. and i feel i feel unless Unless there's a ramp or, or a you know um, a rapid increase anytime soon, I just don't see the situation improving. Like I said, like the amount of men, males as well. I'm not just saying females, none, but men in particular. This is the mm. this is this is almost a silent treat from, treatment for them. Definitely. I feel there is not enough support at the moment. There's not. Mm-hmm. No, no, indeed. Um, I tell you, the other thing I was going to ask you about was some of the uh, as as a fan base grows. Do you think there are issues around jealousy where somebody and I, I, I perhaps even more with women? I don't know, but um, where you know they, they they see these photographs online and and the, 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 there's there's a difference between being aspirational and people feeling as though. I want some of that. I can't have some of that. And this is from the followers. So then what you get is you get some uh, abusive and negative comments that, that can hit um, into somebody's uh, inbox or, or even uh, posts. And that can be quite uh, disrespectful, obviously, but quite alarming for the person that's created some really great content. And, and how do you think people manage to cope with that? I mean, it's again a very valid point, and it's happened to me as well. I'm not saying I'm, I'm, you know, everyone likes what I do. You will always get negative people in life, and that's the best way to approach it. Mm-hmm. It, it is very unfortunate, but it does happen. I'd say on a on a percentage-wise, I have 90% positivity, but I'll always get that 10% negativity, and that's just trolls and people in general. And unfortunately, it, it's very hard because verbal abuse actually you know sticks and stands by you more than physical abuse mm. um and for me you just got to accept the fact that unfortunately doesn't matter what you do in life doesn't matter what you post how, how successful you are you will always get a lot of you know not a lot but you will always get a small percentage of negativity but mm. my advice and my recommendation which people have probably heard several times is you've got to remember there will be a lot more people out there to support you that doesn't support you mm. you're not going to get rid of negativity unfortunately mm. and like i said 10 percent has happened to me before i i've had close friends before big brother and when i've left um no longer talk to me because i dare i say it there's a slight sense of jealousy and yeah it's just exactly unfortunately yeah. and do you know what as well you really do find out who your true friends are mm. and I, I mean our friends and family but mm. you know the way i coped about it is literally i got to keep remembering that my you know most of my followers fans friends and family majority of them 
are positive. It's just the 10% of the mm-hmm. minority. And you've got to keep saying that to yourself because I've had comments that have really like thrown me back. But when I've had time to actually think about it, you know, it doesn't matter who you are, you will always get negativity. Mm-hmm. Now, what about from a more positive point of view? What about the female fan base? What about that where it becomes, uh, oh my God, I'm getting, I'm getting almost stalking <laughs> posts yeah, now? Because that's the other side of it, isn't it? Where you think, oh my God, this is maybe unwanted attention. How do you, how do you cope with that? I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't think I'm amazingly good looking but um, I'm sure a lot of females would disagree with you but never mind (laughs) but no I mean look honestly um, I know you know a lot of people sometimes you know get um, a lot of stalkers I've had a few stalkers I'm not gonna lie but you gotta you gotta manage your expectations you can't just you know say you know you can't block them you know at the end of the day they are fans they Mm. do like you you know there are a lot of you know more serious issues in terms of stalking but i've not come across that yet but i've had a few stalkers and i've just joked about it you know because at the end of the day it is uh some form of, of positivity it's not yes. necessarily negative no. you just got to keep remembering that you got to say look you know yeah okay you've got some stalkers you've got some people saying this you know but think about it it's all positive 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 words they're using you know you're good looking you're attractive you know oh i want to go on a date with you it could be worse <laughs> It could be it could be people saying negative things, so that's the way you got to see about it. You know, yeah, I yeah, would yeah. rather have messages like that than other negative messages that I've had in the past. Yeah, yeah. I tell you what, I've noticed with you as well that you are very good at uh, engaging with people that do posts and stuff, and not every influencer does that. And obviously, I know it's not always easy if you've got you know ridiculous amounts of uh, followers. It's not, not 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 always so easy, but I do think it makes a difference when somebody does make a comment and they're acknowledged by by the individual in some shape or form you know yeah, thank you I, for that you know yeah and i've i've noticed this i'm not naming any people in particular but i know a lot of influencers who unfortunately have, have let fame get to their head yeah and what you've got to remember is you have to remember where your bread is buttered okay i've never changed as a person i am exactly the same person as you've seen before big brother it's just I'm a lot more known now by people. And I use my platform to my advantage. I do a lot of charity work. Don't get me wrong. It does take me a lot of time. And I can't more sometimes reply to every single person. But what you'll see from me, Gordon, is I will try my hardest. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's 72 hours later, 96 hours later. I will still try my best to respond back to that person. Because I know, essentially, it does make some people's days. It, it, you know? it does. It does. Yeah. No, yeah. Absolutely. And when you, are, when you are like them super fans who are commenting on every single status, if you don't at least acknowledge them, then you, you're going to lose someone who's been good to you, you know? Mm, so that's mm. the way I see it. At the end of the day, yeah. you have to remember where your bread is battered and you have to almost not let the fame get to your head because you you will start losing followers. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Good stuff. So um, on that charity note that you just mentioned, uh, tell us a bit more about what you do and what your sort of forthcoming plans are. Okay, so yeah. I've always done charity work. Um, before I went into Big Brother, I, I've, I've done charity work for the last eight, nine years. You know, I've just brought up in a society, 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 society that <laughs> you should always help people, you know, and, you know, help when you can. If you've got a bit of a platform, then use it to help others because I'm a firm believer what comes around goes around. Mm. So, yeah, I'm gonna, I do a lot of charity work for Macmillan Cancer Support, for Mental Health Mind. You know, my main charities are Macmillan Cancer Support, Mental Health, and Exceptional Athletes Sports Club, who are a disability 
um, you know, who cater for uh, disability children within South Wales. So they're fantastic. They're my three charities. Just because they are my three main charities doesn't mean I don't do charity work for other charities as well. I do charity work for, for loads of charities. Holly Bobs, who are another, um, you know, cancer uh, charity provider. So for me now, it's just what I've done before is I'm still doing now, but because I've got such a bigger and better platform, I'm able to almost explore now you know, throughout parts of the UK. That's why I do a lot of a charity appearances now. I, I, I was in Clacton on Sea. I uh, saw. Last week. <laughs> I, I didn't even know that place existed. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's far away, you know. And I, I got places coming up in Ledbury, Leicester. I'm doing a um, motivational speaking for mental health in Birmingham coming up. Right. In Derby. It's just, what it's done is it's, it's kind of, you know, opened me up to, you know, more of the UK. And it's, it's just great, you know. When people who've known me before Big Brother, they knew I was doing this charity work and all, all I wanted to do in life is to really help people, you know, beyond Wales. And now I, I got our platform, you know, people are asking me to come to their charity events to do a bit of motivational speaking about the foundation. And I just I, I just love it, Gordon. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm enjoying every single second. So, yeah. yeah, I do a lot of charity work. I do a lot of motivational speaking. And, yeah, my, my calendar is looking very, very busy. Influence, the global podcast that shines a spotlight on the influencer marketing industry. And now let's take a look at some of the events coming up in the influencer and marketing world. Technology for Marketing 2019 takes place at Olympia on the 25th and 26th of September. The event will feature over 250 exhibitors and over 100 speakers, including Mark Howley, COO of Publicis Media, Sam Shah, who's Director of Digital Development at NHS England, and Cecilia Harvey, founder of Tech Women Today. All the details are at technologyformarketing.co.uk. VidCon turns 10 this year. It describes itself as being for people who love and make online videos. It covers all social media channels that feature video, including YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, LinkedIn, Twitch and TikTok. It offers three tracks depending on your area of interest. The community track for fans who come to VidCon to meet their favourite creators. The creator track for video makers wanting to learn how to make better content. And the industry track for companies, brands and technology companies. VidCon 2019 takes place at the Anaheim Conference Center in Anaheim, California from the 10th to the 13th of July. You can find out more at vidcon.com. And finally, Borderless Live takes place on Friday the 6th and Saturday the 7th of September at Tobacco Key in London's East End. The event will include talks and seminars from top content creators. You'll be able to learn more about the reality of what it's like to be an influencer in 2019. And there'll be one-on-one sessions to help launch your own YouTube channel, Instagram account or blog. And we've got two VIP tickets to this event to give away. Just email your contact details to tickets at influencepodcast.net by 5pm on Friday the 28th of June. A winner will be drawn on Saturday the 29th. But if you can't wait for that, you can get 10% discount on tickets thanks to the BCMA. Just quote the promo code BCMA June 10 when you order. All the details are at borderlesslive.com. So before we go, let's get three top tips for a successful influencer campaign from an industry expert. 
Here's Chris Buckingham from Birdseye again. So firstly, I think my first tip would be make sure you have a business reason for doing influencer marketing, um, what you're expecting to get back from it. Secondly, I would almost do a test and learn approach where you, you know, spend a little bit of money to work out, um, you know, is it right for you? Are you getting content? Are you getting um, traction with the right audiences you want to get? Um, and then lastly, I guess use some of the content that the influencers create and then try it on your own earned and paid channels where you can actually push it out further. Well, that's it for this edition. I hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, if you have, please subscribe and share this podcast with your friends and colleagues. As always, we'd welcome your feedback and comments. Just email us feedback at influencepodcast.net. In the next edition, we're going to be looking at the legal aspects of being an influencer with industry expert Joe Farmer. But until then, from me, Gordon Glenister, thanks for listening and goodbye. <laughs>